Are you a hunter or an outdoor enthusiast? Take your love for firearms to the next level with Goat Guns. Our miniatures are an ideal addition to your hunting gear or cabin decor. Each model is meticulously crafted, capturing the essence of legendary firearms. Celebrate your passion for the outdoors by displaying these stunning pieces. With Goat Guns, you can showcase your love for hunting and firearms in a unique and artistic way. Explore our collection now and embrace your outdoor spirit at GoatGuns.com. It's hard to encapsulate a year in books. When looking at 2023, the obvious standouts are a slew of major, much-anticipated celebrity memoirs. Britney Spears, Prince Harry, Barbara Streisand, just to name a few. It appears we have a new buzzy fantasy series in the form of Rebecca Yaris's The Fourth Wing. But what makes the literary world so exciting and engaging is that there is truly something out there for everyone. You just have to know where to look. Lucky for you, we've got some recommendations. Join the great pop culture debate as its panelists shared their favorite reads of the past year in our Best of 2023 book special. The only books I read at this point are of the comic variety, so I'll merely be moderating this discussion. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome my amazing panel. His name is Jeannie, but his friends call him Shauna. Welcome back, Bob Erlenbach. Eric, I think that's personal, and it's none of your business. <laughs> uh, I was going to advise that you resist getting that nose job. You can't afford to lose any more time with balls flying at your face. What an asshole. <laughs> Next, she has Hello Kitty earmuffs as an artifact from her ex. It's young adult author Jennifer Chen. Hey, Eric. How's it going? It's going terrific. And I just wanted to share with you, the only artifact I have from an ex is bad karma. So um, that's all I've got to bring to the table. Can I show you my Hello Kitty? I mean, nobody else on the podcast can see this. Oh, my God. That's adorable. I know. So cute. That's the only thing that's important out of that relationship. 2023 may have been the year of the strike, but she picked up a spare. Please welcome back Kara Austin. I just want to say that bookmarks are for quitters. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And finally, escaping to space to change a world or save the human species, it's Michael Schwartz. Well, it's better than being in retail at Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say, hear me out. Does the human species deserve to be saved at this point? Not with my interactions with humans. I believe it. Uh, And then reading us for filth from the producer booth is Curtis Creekmore. So our best of episodes are a little different than our usual format. There's no polls. There's no brackets. There's barely even any debating. Our panelists are just going to do a pop culture show and tell of their individual top three books released this year. Do you disagree with some of their picks? Want to add your own favorites to the discussion? Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and leave a comment on this episode or find us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Mastodon, or Facebook and tell us what you think. With that out of the way, let's get into these top threes. I'm going to start in alphabetical order, and that means, Bob, you are up first. Oh, of course. Here I am, Alpha at the first again. But uh, my first pick for books this year was Lose You to Find Me, which is by Eric J. Brown. And surprise, I picked an LGBTQ coming-of-age gay romance, of course. I'm shocked. Um, Yes, but it's by Eric J. Brown, like I said, who actually did another book, All That's Left in the World, last year, which was one of my favorite books also. Um, But this Lose You to Find Me is about Tommy, and he's this 
um, teenager overwhelmed with life who's working his home, working his job at the nursing home restaurant Ugh. while he's focused on graduating from high school. He's concerned about his future, getting into the culinary school that he wants to, getting a good recommendation from his boss to get into the culinary school. He's just trying to figure everything out. And he's totally thrown by a loop when his childhood crush, Gabe, who was from summer camp and has these irresistible dimples, shows up as his trainee at the restaurant. And in addition to everything with life, he now has to deal with this burgeoning romance potentially with this boy who unfortunately doesn't remember him from summer camp. So he's dealing with that as well. So adding in that level of complexity, but it is a, if you know me or you listen to the podcast, you know that I love YA. Um, And what I love about this book is obviously the young adult, but there's alternating chapter style based on the two main characters, which is not unique to this book in any way, but I love it because the one character doesn't remember the other one. So it adds an additional kind of layer to that. But what I think I love most about this is there is the LGBTQ theme, but it is completely secondary to that. It is the main focus is really those relatable stresses of graduation, figuring out your life, not letting that get in the way of of everything getting in the way of what is important it's really about figuring or figuring yourself out it's incredibly well written the characters are very relatable the characters in the nursing home restaurant are quirky and fun and they have a little bit of mystery to them as well which they figure out throughout um, the book so it's a lot of fun if you love ya if you love gay romance all of those things surprise i picked it but um i think you guys would love this book as well so that is my first pick Excellent. Thank you. Um, Jen, speaking of YA, um, first of all, have you heard of this author? Are you familiar with his work? I am not. So I wrote it down as something to check out. All that's left in the world is his other book. So don't forget that one as well. Okay. That's an apocalyptic, um, post-apocalyptic boys find one another and romance in the, you know, the desolate land thereafter. So now that sounds like my dating life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jennifer, why don't you walk us through your first pick? Uh, I chose Page Boy by Elliot Page, and the reason I chose this book was that I felt like his memoir gave me into insight into gender dysphoria and what it must feel like to push down how you feel to make other people happy. Um, I thought it was very honest and vulnerable and still hopeful. Um, I think it's incredibly hard to be so public about your identity at a time when trans people are being legislated out of you know america so i think this story is just really important but also it was kind of a fun celebrity memoir too (laughs) yeah there was some like big hollywood news that came out of that i believe was there not yes yeah yeah stuff with ratner especially i believe and if i remember yes because he was not um the kindest and then also her romances on i think it was juno Yes. that she had on, on the set of Juno. So yes. there's just enough little bit of celebrity gossip in there for you too. <laughs> we love celebrity gossip. Yes. Um, speaking of celebrity gossip, Bob, you wanted to talk something about this book. No, I just, I don't know anybody who's read the book until now. So I'm really glad that you brought this up because it just moved it more up my list. So I'm really, yeah. I've been really excited to try it, try and read it, but I just haven't been getting around to it. So I'm really excited that, that Jen nominated it. So yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jen. Kara, I'd like you to take up your first pick, if you don't mind. So my first pick was one of the first reads I um, did this year because I had a very lofty goal of trying to read 100 books that I'm not going to get. But January was the month of Spare by Prince Harry of England. And that made my list because 
and originally it almost didn't because it seems like so long ago that came out, but that took over everything when it came out. And really there is, I'm not necessarily like a Royal watcher type person, but man, I do love people sticking it to their boomer elders and being <laughs> open <laughs> about the trauma that they went through. And you know, that, that is a whole life of, but based on secrecy or information being dealt as currency, and there's a lot of talking about like how that is used against him and you know how his office also like particip- like all offices participated in it but to come out and just kind of clear the air and to put it all out there you know ug- ugly stuff too i think and and also talk about mental health things from you know being i think one you know being a, a, a male in a powerful position don't do that as often and i think that was important about it as well um, is it the best written book? No, but it's absolutely bonkers in some areas. It's still fascinating. And at the time I felt like I was racing against the internet to finish it because as you know, it, I mean, people got advanced copies. So there's already stuff going out, but you're like, I want to experience this fresh and, you know, kind of get through this. And it, like for a, it was a big chunky boy of a book, uh, finished it within a couple days. So I think it's, it was just, and you know, it's kind of faded now, but it was part of the zeitgeist at that point. Everybody was talking about this bombshell of a book. I'm delighted that you brought it up because it was, <laughs> I think, a, a very important book of the year. And it is still, I would argue, part of the zeitgeist. As we record this on November 20th, I just today was reading on the Reddits. Um, Meghan Markle was at an appearance with some of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I'm on the Real Housewives Reddits because I have no life. And <laughs> those threads were completely bombarded by Meghan haters. It was intense. And like this narrative is still really important. The Crown season six is airing right now which is about the death of mm-hmm. diana and um I, I it was so interesting to hear people discuss how harry and megan came forward with the story they were very honest about it everything they said about the way that the press and the press offices were completely believable and still to this day people discount them and treat them terribly it's fascinating so i do think this is a really important and we're book. a little insulated from it here yeah yeah because there's not that same level of animosity towards her Yep. or either of you know, either of them here as there is in their home country so or his home country so to hear about it firsthand and i also you know i'm like we are only hearing one side of the story i i tend to believe a lot of it or feel like that his is more rooted in truth but again you know i'm the the elder millennial uh oldest daughter of some real whack job boomers so <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of that energy in here it's very very cathartic to read because you're just like i'm not alone you know Yep. Um, but also other things that were really interesting about it too was like you, he talked about his military service and all these things you don't think about with the royal family. Um, yeah. Conservation efforts too. So it was like I said, it was an interesting read. I'm glad I did it. For sure. For sure. Terrific pick. Thank you so much. Michael, take us to your first pick, which is going to be something completely different. Exactly. So I'm a little bit on the outside. I read My read is to escape and everything. So all of my choices are from the science fiction uh, realm this year, actually. And I'm starting off with The Ferryman by uh, Justin Cronin for us tonight. And um, I picked this one because it's a couple of things. One, I'm, I'm a Justin Cronin fan. He wrote the Passage series, which they tried to do into a miniseries on Fox, which was a nightmare. But the books themselves were fantastic. Uh, very post-apocalyptic vampire novels for you. Um, but I picked this one um, because it actually relates back to one of my all the other favorite books growing up. It's very got a lot of The Giver by Lois Lowry um, vibes to it. Uh, 
utopian society when the world outside is crumbling apart, uh, people that are against it in it and everything like that. I think that it just, what I really enjoy about this is the development of the characters, the whole, um, here's what utopia is supposed to look like. And if you don't fit into it, you're something's wrong with you component that a lot of us probably feel as individuals in today's society too for you. So it speaks to a lot of those um, being an outsider in a uh, conformist kind of world for you. If you don't meet the standards, you need to be going somewhere else. And so it's got these main characters that are uh, very believable, very relatable to me as an individual. Um, I get my escapist components of this because it takes place in the future, but it still deals with some really amazing, like, themes of outsiderness and what people are like conformity and i don't need to be dealing with any of that in this place and that's why i like to read these to escape so i get that lois lowry feel i get the justin cronin writing style which i really enjoy um his way that he develops his characters and the way that he talks to people um through the words that he chooses to use so this takes my bronze medal for this year's win for me Excellent. And uh, I just want to make sure people understand when he says the fairy man, he means the F-E-R-R-Y man, not the F-A-I-R-Y man. That's my... Right, that's me. I'm down for both. Yeah, Yeah, that's me. I'm the fairy man, (laughs) but this is the ferryman. Exactly. (laughs) That's coming to you in 2024, and it's filthy. Um, No, thank you. That's a great first pick, Michael. Appreciate it. So with that, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with our round two picks after these messages. Happy holidays from the crew at the Great Pop Culture Debate. While you're running around buying gifts for all the people you love, or at least are obligated to tolerate, why not do something nice for yourself? Specifically, become a Patreon supporter of the Great Pop Culture Debate today. It's like a stocking full of treats. You'll get even more exclusive content, merch, and at the higher levels, you get to join the podcast Discord server, get shoutouts by name in future episodes, and even listen in as we record specific topics. It's the gift that keeps on giving, and tiers start as low as $5 per month. Make a last-minute play to get on Santa's nice list by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com backslash greatpopculturedebate today. Welcome back to our Best of 2023 Books episode. We're going to move on to our second round of picks. And Bob, you're up again. All right. So you said all you read is comic books, Eric. Well, that is my next pick is some comic books. And it's a little bit of a cheat because the trade is not out until May of next year. But it is the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos, which I've been reading in the individual issues month over month. Um, I believe it started back in June at this point. But um in in short, it's great, but he is a teenage Christopher Chaos is a teenage mad scientist um, who's always been a little bit different, a little bit re- weird, but um, crazy brilliant. Um, Dr. Frankenstein type of brilliant where he at the end of the first issue brings a pigeon back to life like do, like Dr. Frankenstein. So um, but he's really got these abilities and this intelligence that have really made him an outcast and caused a lot of great pain in his life because he is is so brilliant and so smart and can do all of these things but he is that the outcast because of that and you know it, it he's he's lonely and he's any he, and he's longing for friends and for a community and people to be with that can relate to him and um that's really him as the character but really what the premise here is is he discovers that his cute boy crush from school is also a creature of the night, is a creature of darkness. Um, he's a deadly creature, a werewolf. Um, so he finds himself pitted in a world of monsters and heroes and 
a cult of hunters also comes into the picture. Um, so it's a lot of fun because it's very YA. It is by James Tinian the fourth, as well as oh. Tate um, Tate Bromble does the actual scripting. James Tinian does the does the actual story mm-hmm. um, with Isaac um, Goodhart as the artist, and it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. The colors are great and vibrant, um, but also dark when they need to be, and it, it's got this nice darkness and light to it. Um, the characters are fun. Um, Christopher's Christopher Chaos is a lot of a lot of fun. He's a little bit morbid, but he's definitely a lot of fun to to follow around. Um, but I really love it because it has YA, it's it's comic books, which which I've always loved and enjoyed because of you, Eric, teaching mm-hmm. me about comic books. But um, it's just very good because Tinian and Tinian's great, and um, Bromball's really great with the scripting, and it and it it's very modern, it's very um, current in its dialogue and things like that. So it's very relatable and fun. So um, oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos. It is from Dark Horse Comics. Great. I was going to ask you which publisher it was. Yep. So um, Dark Horse is a great publisher. Tinian's one of the big names in comics right now. Um, so I'm glad to give him some There's props. There's a million books out. So many. Um, like, and he's... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. It's just, yeah, I can't even think of them all off the top of my head. But... Yeah. Oh, Slaughter. The, the House of Slaughter. Stuff like that. So... Perfect. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to get some comics in here. I'll be honest, I was not wowed by comics this year, and so that's why I stepped out of doing the picks, but I'm glad that we got some representation in here. Uh, With that being said, Jennifer, do you want to talk to us about your second pick? Yes, I chose Yellow Face by R.F. Kwong. Um, The premise is really interesting. As soon as I heard it, I wanted to read it, so I'll give you a little short spiel. It's about authors June Hayward and Athenia Liu. They're both rising fiction stars in their Yale class. Athenia goes on to become a literary darling, and June's first book doesn't even come out in paperback. What that means is that it didn't sell well, the Mm. the first book. So June and Athenia are hanging out. Athenia has a freak accident where she dies. And June happens to be in her apartment and has access to Athenia's mostly unfinished, like it's 90% the way there, manuscript. Um, And she decides to take it and finish the manuscript and put the byline of Juniper Song on it, kind of... um, And it's about Chinese laborers in World War I and sort of their plight. And so she kind of does an ambiguous author photo. So she looks ambiguously Asian. It's it's just a really fascinating book that I just could not stop reading. Um, Would you describe it as fiction? Like, What's the type of genre that you would kind of ascribe it to? I would call it a psychological thriller, which is kind of funny because it's about book publishing, but it gets thriller-esque as it goes on. And Juniper slash June kind of goes, tries to reason with herself of why she's made this choice. And like, I saved her book from like obscurity. And, you know, if I didn't publish it, nobody would have seen it. Like kind of like deluding herself that this is the best choice. Um, identity theft she wrote is what I'm getting yes. from this. Yes. yes. Uh, but also deluding yourself, that's 100% my aesthetic. So I'm in. Um, excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. Yes. Kara, you had some thoughts on Yellowface. Yellowface was um, top of my list this year, too. Um, f- for one thing, genre-wise, I felt like it jumped around in a great way. Like, it definitely is a, th- a psychological thriller. It's funny at moments. Um, it's terrorizing at other moments. And what was 
And I felt myself like yelling at a book the way you'd yell at the television. Like if you, you know, yell at the television while watching The Gilded Age, like I do, where you're like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it, but because you're sitting, you're reading it from the point of view of uh, June slash Juniper, mm-hmm. and she's terrible. But she, that is the only point of view you are accessing the story from. And it's so weird to be in that seat of someone who, I mean, from where I'm sitting, is the villain. Mm-hmm. But is convincing herself and therefore trying to convince you, the reader, that, you know, like Jennifer said, doing this for all the right reasons. Mm. It so, was very uncomfortable to read in the best possible way at times. Because you're like, yes. I don't want to see, I don't want to hear what this person has to say. I want to hear somebody else's take on this. You know, I want to jump into another body in the story and see how other people are reacting. Fascinating. Well, this sounds like a great pick. Thank you both for talking about it. Uh, Kara, you want to take your next pick, please? I sure do. Um, my second pick is The Hurricane Wars by Tia Guanzon. I learned something about myself this year in reading that I didn't know, and it's that I kept stumbling into um, into books that had started off online as Raylo fan fiction and really enjoying them. <laughs> I was reading to our people what Raylo fan fiction is in Raylo case they fan, don't know. And the thing, so Raylo fan fiction is uh, fan fiction written about the characters Kylo Ren and Rey from the uh, Star Wars sequels. Um, and uh, Allie Hazelwood is an author who's probably has one of the most famous books on it, um, The Love Hypothesis, or Love, Th- no, The Love Theoretically. She writes a lot of these. And in The Love Hypothesis, when she's describing the male lead, it's straight up Adam Driver and it's bizarre to read. Um, but that's not the book. I mean, that's that wasn't published series. That's not the book I'm recommending. But the one that I received an advanced copy of um, after having struggled through finishing the very popular dragon book that's out there right now, which, which I, I specifically name checked because you wanted to talk about because it. <laughs> I did not like it. And I'm so bitter about it because I had to buy it twice. I bought it in, I bought a hard copy version when it finally got reprinted. Cause the first printing sold out, I brought it on vacation. It fell into the lake oh. and I was four chapters in and I hadn't gotten to whatever the big hook was going to be that gets everybody. And so I would bought it again for my Kindle and I read it and I would, felt doubly robbed Ugh. um it oh i i don't like that book so then this this arc arrived in my uh in my mailbox and i was like i don't know if i have the heart for another fantasy book um and that time i didn't know it fell into my weird little Raylo niche <laughs> um but i was like you know what i'll just try it the the cover art's gorgeous we're gonna we're gonna lean into it and i loved it it was everything i had wanted fourth wing to be like all the fantasy escapist um uh tropes and the thing about this one, again, it's just, it falls into published Raylo fan fiction, whereas the other one I talked about was those characters or those character types happening in a modern setting. This is in another fantasy setting. And the original <laughs> the original fan fiction is completely set in the Star Wars universe. So the author had to recreate a whole brand new fantasy universe and brought in a lot of imagery and things from... Um, she's from the Philippines, and so she brought things from, like traditionally Filipino uh, Filipino stories and myths and um, things like that that kind of made you know its own version of what, what you know like light and dark powers and this war that's happening changed enough stuff in it and I found it fascinating it was I mean it's like Lay's potato chips to read it's just fun and tasty but again after after getting through the dragon book it's it hit all the right spots for me and again I'm I'm comfortable I like Raylo fan fiction when it's published for real people. Um, and I, I can't recommend it enough. It's perfect. So that's actually a sci-fi good kind of segue over to Michael and your second pick. 
So my silver medal this year goes to um, the Terraformers by Annalie Newitz for us. And for me, sometimes like when I'm just wandering through the bookstore trying to figure out what it is, what catches my attention real quick is the is the cover art. You know, if I get drawn in by what's there, then I'm going to read the back and kind of get a sense of what might be going on. And this was just honestly, there's nothing really special about the cover art here. But when I picked it up, I'm like, oh, this is cute. Read the back. And then I think what really got me and I think this just summarize, uh, summarizes a lot of what this is about. This is good science fiction with some good actual like science in it. Gives me a little bit of a, like Kim Stanley Robinson, hard science, science fiction, Stephen Baxter kind of stuff where you've got actual science involved in here for us. But there's a uh, there's like this subversive, very funny uh, theme that goes throughout it. And I think one of the write-ups about it, and I read this and it just made me laugh, it's like, when you read the story, it's like working with a team of robots, naked mole rats, and a very angry cyber cow, they sow the, sow the seeds of subversion. And I'm like, this club has everything. Everything. Naked mole rats, cyber, <laughs> cyber cows. cows. Exactly. It feels like it's almost a, an SNL skit in some yeah. steps for it. But it's really, a, and what I really like about it too is it's kind of, I don't want to use the word really, but it's an epic in the sense that it takes place over centuries in terms of the story. You have a half of the story that sets the groundwork for you, and then a decision is kind of made in the middle of it. And then you pick up a couple of centuries later and see how that decision plays out on this planet. And it's all about, of course, terraforming. You know, I love seeing these kind of change. Kim Stanley Robinson's Marge trilogy about changing things that um, exist to make humans happy. You know, how do the how do these species exist in a world that we can change and everything? But um, I think that really what got me about this is this kind of very nonchalant, very humoristic kind of science fiction while still being serious science about things that are happening in the end for us. So I really just embrace that. I needed this in my life when I read it kind of stuff. It just filled a hole. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about what I've read over the year when I do my gold medal pick that kind of puts us all into perspective. But I do recommend this, The Terraformers by Annalie Newitz. I think it's a great book for people that are just looking for something that's fun, but still a great science fiction read. Great. I love that. And you were saying that they were doing things to make humans happy. Michael, you currently work in retail. Will anything make human beings happy? Not with the people I talk to every day. <laughs> and there you go. Excellent. So with that, we're going to take another quick break and we're going to come right back for our third picks of the year. We'll be right back. And we are back with our last round of our Best of 2023 Books episode. Before we wrap things up, I wanted to ask our panel, where can people find you on social media? And also, what else are you working on? Bob, uh, where can people find you? You can find me at DisNerdBob on any of the social things. You can also find me as Bob Erlenback on Goodreads, where you can keep up with what I'm reading, as well as I, I typically will create a shelf that has like my top books of the year that I read. So um, keep an eye out for that or interact with me there, because I'd love to know what you're reading as well. Um, what am I working on? Well, this bullshit podcast. Mm -hmm. But yeah, mm -hmm. so that's all. Great. Thank you very much. And thank you for everything you do for this bullshit podcast. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer, where can people find you and what else are you working on? You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at jchenwriter. Um, I am, my debut book just came out and I'm working on book number two, which is yes. going to come out in 2025, believe it or not. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So exciting. And you're, you, uh, it'll be out probably before this is released, but you're currently doing some book uh, tour stuff, correct? You're, you're doing some yeah. events? 
book events all throughout LA, doing some partnering with some really great nonprofit organizations that I love. So yeah, so you're doing some fun stuff. I love that. Um, Kara, where can people find you and what else are you working on? You can find me around the socials at C-M-Y-K-A-R-A. You can find me on Goodreads if you look for Kara Austin, I guess, and click on the link of the girl with the blue hair. That'll work. (laughs) Um, And then uh, the other thing I work on that relates to this podcast is I'm a little free library steward. And so uh, if you want to see book stuff on the internet, Bookstagram, uh, my handle for that is at Neighborhood Trolley LFL. So it's a little free library that is dedicated in memory of Mr. Rogers. And it's adorable, ladies and gentlemen. So it's you almost should... a year old. I'm, it's, it's so amazing. The, aside Aww. from my child, the best thing I've ever created. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so thank you. And, and you should absolutely follow that. Uh, Michael Schwartz, where can people find you and what else are you working on? Um, so people, I'm pretty much on Instagram. I'm, I'm a social hermit in a lot of ways for that, but you can find me on social, on Instagram at, uh, T H E R A X three twenty nine Therax three twenty nine. there. Uh, feel free to DM me if you have any opinions about things that I got wrong on any of these podcasts. So I'm very good about that. And you know, when I'm not shilling for the man, um, my, uh, fund is all my survivor stuff. So I'm very involved in the survivor live reality game and online reality game communities, which are a lot of fun. So if you're interested in any of those, hit me up on Insta as well. I'm happy to talk to you and get you a new habit and addiction for yourselves. Perfect. We can all use a new addiction at this time of year. Um, and you can find me at Eric Resniak on Instagram. That's R-E-Z as in zebra, S as in snake, N as in Nancy, Y-A-K. And make sure you're following at Great Pop Culture to be on Insta and TikTok and at GPCD on Mastodon. Uh, I am hoping that I will be off of Twitter slash X by the time this episode airs. We have had it officially. Uh, with that being said, we're getting on to these final picks. Bob, take us home. What's your first or your final pick? My number one pick, number um, one. it relates to my intro line, but I picked um, Out of the Corner by Jennifer Gray, which is her memoir. I love a memoir. I particularly love listening to a memoir, and I did listen to this book, not read it. Um, listening in the car to memoirs is like one of my favorite things to do, but this book was giving. We're talking mm. juice. We're talking gossip. We are talking sex, drugs, rock and roll. If you want to have a less than affectionate opinion of matthew broderick when you're done reading please read this book Ooh, does she drag him hard what if my opinion's already in the basement okay great then you'll love this so um what there's two things that everybody knows about jennifer gray the nose job and dirty dancing right this was a really cool exploration to get to know her beyond those two points and she's a very interesting person she has lived a very interesting life her family obviously she comes from from theater royalty from acting royalty they talk and address the it's a very interesting the way she speaks about the nose job throughout the book and how basically Joel Gray said to her, well, why, uh, well, like, why didn't you do that sooner? It's about time. Like it was almost as though it was predestined for her to do that. And like, there was never a question that she would have it done. She does go through a story about what happens and why it altered her appearance so much that I won't share with you. But if you love Jennifer Gray, if you love Dirty Dancing, if you just love kind of a little behind the scenes of just got ongoing theater, just because, you know, with her parents, with Joel Gray, and just the dinner parties she talks about, if you want some of the behind the scenes and some of the gossip behind some of that stuff, also really good. So if you love 
kind of all of that stuff. This is this is for you. And I just think it's a really great book. I just I couldn't put it down is what I want to say. But I, I guess I couldn't stop. I couldn't turn it off, I guess, is um, since I listened to the book. But that is my my third but number one pick for the year. Excellent. And she narrates the audiobook. Correct? She sure does. And not like Brittany with mm-hmm. Michelle Williams, which I'm like number 1500 in line in my book. Um, in my library I, for the am, for the hold i am as well like it's yeah I it's crazy hold on it the day it like, came out and i'm like well i'll get this like next year i guess it's true yep. it's true <laughs> pretty much well thank you very much uh, i will say that bob has been slipping me some of the tea as he was enjoying jennifer gray's book and it is scandalous so um yeah highly recommended jennifer why don't you take us through your final pick Okay, my final pick is my own book, um, Artifacts of an Ex. It just came out on November 14th, 2023. Um, It is about Chloe Chang. She's an aspiring art creator, um, and she moves from New York to L.A. Her boyfriend in New York decides to break up with her by sending her a box of mementos and a breakup letter, and she decides to take that and turn it into an art exhibit and buys other teens breakup objects and creates an exhibit called Heart Effects. Um, at Heart Effects, she meets Daniel Kwok, who is an aspiring filmmaker. They have this great friendship. She has a crush on him, but he has been the rebound guy for the past five or six dates he's been on. So he's convinced he's just the nice guy that people go out with just to get over their ex and they get back together with their ex. So he's like, no way, Chloe, we're not dating. And of course she she still has a crush on him as one does yes so for those listening i have known jennifer for about 25 years is that accurate (laughs) but that would mean that we met when we were one eric yes yes Yes. back when we were we were fetal yes thank you for for pointing that out (laughs) yeah it's like muppet babies that's what exactly what it was okay um And this has been a goal of yours for pretty much as long as I've known you. And I just want to say how proud I am of you for this accomplishment. It's huge. And I am, I say this all the time, that uh, modesty is outmoded in a post-Kardashian society. (laughs) And I want anyone involved in this podcast to be up here and be like, I fucking did the thing that I've been working my whole career for. So kudos to you, Jennifer Chen. I am so proud. Thank you so much. Just to give Yeah, go ahead. No, please. I was just going to give a little plug. Um, so this book has been reviewed by a couple of different outlets and everybody says that it's a lighthearted, joyful YA read. And that's exactly what I wanted it to be. I wrote it in 2020 when I was actually covering a lot of anti-Asian hate for Oprah Daily and talking about it on NPR Weekend Edition as my journalist self. And this book was the, I want a really fun place where Asian Americans can just fall in love and make mistakes and have crushes. So this really is like everybody's commented. It's just an easy read. And that was my entire goal was like, let's just have fun. Let's just have fun. Enjoy. Let's just have fun. I love that. Bob, you wanted to say something. No, I, she, she actually said something that covered what my question was going to be for her, but I'm excited to read it. Thank Excellent. you. And you're already working on book two, correct? I am working on book two. It is a farmer's market Romeo and Juliet um, between two warring families and their kids, of course, fall in love. 
love amongst the rutabagas. I can't wait to hear more and I'm excited (laughs) to read it in 2025. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm so pleased that uh, not only for this accomplishment for you, but that you took the time out of a very busy time for you right now to come and talk to us. So thank you. Of course. Love talking about books. Yes. Uh, Speaking of talking about books, Kara, would you like to talk to us about your third pick? I will, but I was also make a plug. I mean, I know we're recording this right ahead of Thanksgiving, but I am making plans for Small Business Saturday to go to my local bookstore and I'm getting Jennifer's book because yes. I loved everything about what I was hearing. Yay. Um, too bad my camera's not working. You would have just seen the Charlie Brown smile growing across Yay. my face. <laughs> you can't see me either, so I'm smiling as well. <laughs> so many smiles. The great pop culture debate bringing people together. We love. I love romance books. Um so I, I'm cheating. I have two that I'm picking for my my top one spot because they are both graphic novels. They are both um, middle school to high school gr- uh, aged protagonists, uh, memoirs, and they are central. They are uh, both focusing on a travel experience that uh, helps them find something about themselves. And in no particular order, the first one I'm talking about is I, Miha, um, which is my bilingual summer in Mexico by Christine Suggs. They are half Mexican and they grew up in the United States. And this is a story about when they were 16 and they went back to Mexico on their first solo trip to see their extended family, um, namely their, their aunts and uncles and grandparents who do not speak a lot of English. And Christine also does not speak much Spanish, hardly any at all. And a lot of it is about identity as far as being someone who is um, half Mexican but does not have that language and then being back in Mexico with family and how you relate to them and where do you fit in. It is about queerness because their family is also – their extended family is also very Catholic and they're at this point in time they're like they've had boyfriends but also have feelings about girls. Um, and it's about fatness and, you know, having a larger body and what does that mean and how does that fit into family and how your family sees you. And one thing that I absolutely adored about this book that helps you get right into it and really understand, you know, help you understand where the the main character is coming from is that, um, in being with their family in Mexico, the, uh, the parts in Spanish are not translated. Mm. So you are just as clueless as Christine is, um, at going, going through this journey. Um, cool. It's beautifully illustrated. They are. They both wrote it and uh, and illustrated it. Um, they have and I don't can't think of their social off the top of my head, but find them on Instagram. Their drawings are adorable. It's all queer, fat, wonderful drawings and cats and dogs and little magic cat wizards. And I can't recommend following Christine enough. Uh, what an amazing uh, artist! What's the publisher for this book? I don't know. I'm trying to look that up. Right That's okay. Now. We'll find it after. We'll, we'll, we'll it come later. back to you with that. Yes. Um, so I read that earlier in the year, and then when I just finished, and that when I finished it, I was like, oh my god, I feel like I'm, you know, it's like building off of Imiha is a first time for everything by Dan uh, Santat. That one is more of a middle grade uh, novel, and instead of finding your, how you relate to your family and finding your place in your family uh, by going on a trip, this is more how do you find your place outside of your family because of a trip. And the cover for this got me because it's uh, a, a middle, you know, middle schooler in front of Notre Dame. And I was like, this has got to be one of those like EF tours things, like I did going between eighth and ninth <laughs> grade. And sure enough, that's the trip this kid's on. Um, and he had been really quiet in his school. He had an experience where he had to do a public speaking thing and it just blew up in his face. And so he was always kind of bullied and he gets to his parents kind of basically send him on this trip to help him kind of get a you know different experience. He's never left 
the USA has never left California before. And he goes on this European tour with a mix of kids who he knows, some who have bullied him in the past, but also brand new people from other schools. So there's like a first love thing. There's getting out on your own, um, kind of, you know, doing, th doing things your way with no parental involvement for the first time. And it, again, it's another one that's beautifully illustrated, wonderfully written, so heartfelt. And it like trans in, in the best way possible, transported me right back to middle school. <laughs> um, but I think for someone in middle school, I think this would also be very like, again, like a cathartic thing to read. Cause it's like, you're not alone. And I think it's a lot of these themes are universal. Excellent. Will you please look into the publisher for those uh, while we're on our next break? Because I'd want to make sure that we let people know where they can find those. Sure thing. So um, the first time for everything is by First Second. Okay. Which is also one of my favorite publishers. So for graphic novels, please check out First Second. They put out amazing things for all ages. And Little uh, uh, Little Brown Ink is for Aimiha. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'd love to get some graphic novel representation in here. Michael, why don't you take us into your last pick? Okay, so my last pick, my gold medal winner this year is called uh, Some a Desperate Glory by Emily Tesh. Uh, it's a debut novel um, from an author, and it just fit into everything that I needed this year. I did a lot, you know, it's been a long, rough kind of year for me, and I did a lot of comfort reading. Went back and read a lot of stuff that I had previously read, just to, for a sense of sense of security. I was reading a lot of Harry Dresden novels um, by Jim Butcher, very pulp fiction-y detective fantasy novels for us. But when I picked this, uh, this, this book up, and I read the first three words in the jacket, and it said, Queer Space Opera. Mm. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm sold. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm good from here. Um, it's the story. It, it definitely got a very good queer bent to it, which I love. Um, it's a story of like found family, um, what your responsibility is to everybody else. Um, you're raised to do something, but does that fit into what really makes you feel like a human being? Um, does this make you feel like you're a member of society by going along with what everybody expects you to do? Um, or do you go off and like disapp disappoint everybody and um, do what right is right for you that makes you feel like a human, that makes you feel complete, that like you're really contributing instead of just following the same path that everybody wants? Um, we have a, two, a main character in here who – the story is basically rolls around the end of humanity, alien species wiped out on everything else. There's the last vestiges of humanity living on an asteroid out there. And they're, they're basically, you fall into two paths. You either go out and become a warrior or you get sent off to nursery to breed and make more humans so that there are more people to fight later on. And our main character who is basically raised to be a warrior but in the end, uh, she gets sent off to nursery where she becomes basically – does she become a breeding factory or does she come off and do something else with her life to really impact and self-actualize as a human being? And this fit into my life because this is downright pure melodrama and it just felt right for my soul at the time. It's an amazingly written uh, debut novel. Um, she had been a uh, – she had written a couple of novellas, short stories previously, but this is her first full-fledged novel. And Emily Tesh really pulls it off for us. And I think uh, that's why it was my gold medal. It really just struck a chord as a member of the queer community. But it was just so beautifully written for me that the melodrama really soothed my soul. 
You know how I feel about drama, Mama. So, oh, amen, sister. And queer uh, breeding pits. Uh, welcome to Saturday nights. So, uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Michael. That sounds great. Uh, we actually do have a few more honorable mention picks for folks. So, I want to start at the top of the order. Uh, I'm going to have my panelists briefly mention a couple other books that really captivated them this year, whether they were released this year or they read them this year. So, I'm going to have Bob go first. So the first one I have is If I See You Again Tomorrow, which is by Robbie Couch, which is another YA gay romance, and it's a Groundhog's Day for gay people where he's reliving the same day in a time loop over and over again, the main character. So it was a lot of fun um, to see how he worked his way out of there. I also read um, I Like Me Better, which another gay YA romance. I'm shocked. It's about about being a teenager, kind of growing up, making mistakes and learning how to self-reflect and own those mistakes and how you you piss people off and how you have to apologize for what what you do. Um, And then a little bit country I read this year was from 2022, but Jennifer Chen read it and I saw that she read it. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to read that. And it takes place at a Dollywood type resort. So Don't tease me. I know. So those are my honorable mentions. Excellent. I hear Jennifer being very excited about that last one. Yes. Brian um, actually blurbed my book. He's the author of A Little Bit Country. It is a fantastic book. It's like... He's a huge Dolly fan, so it's it's pretty much um, Dolly. Yeah, I mean, that's Brian Brian D. Kennedy was the yeah. author. I forgot to say, and then Robbie Weber is the the author of the other book. Um, I like me better. Great, Jennifer. Yeah. What are some yeah. of your honorable mentions? Okay, I've got two. Um, yep. Always the almost by Edward Underhill. He's a friend of mine. He's a trans author. It is a fun YA um, trans joy book about basically like him trying to get back together with his ex who hasn't been so great about his transition, but then falling in love with somebody else at the same time. And I like that there's mistakes. The kids make mistakes. And I think that's very human and very real. My second pick is in the lives of puppets by TJ Klune. It is a robotic Pinocchio retelling and it is fantastic. It came out last year. Excellent. Thank you very much. These are all terrific picks. Kara, what have you got for us for your honorable mentions? I'm going to try to rapid fire these bad boys. And it, uh, strap in, guys, because it's, it's sticking with the queerness. Um, I love Regency romances, but one of the problems with it is that it's very heteronormative and understandably because of the history of it. But I read A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall, which is um, a trans-centered Regency romance where the main character... Um, Viola uh, is presumed dead at a battle and then takes the opportunity to live uh, authentically after that is uh, welcomed back by her brother. So like she has a place to live, but she has to change her identity and she is reintroduced to her former best friend who is still grieving the loss of her previous identity because he does not know that she transitioned and that this is his former friend. Um, there's, it gets a little bit uncomfortable because I have a problem when characters in a book, one has more information than the other does about something. There's that mm. imbalance for a while before things are, you know, revealed. But it's a beautiful Regency romance. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, a graphic novel, uh, The Princess and the Grilled Cheese Sandwich. It sounds goofy. It's a little goofy, but it's darling. Again, beautifully illustrated. It's another uh, romance-based one. Uh, the main character is the only daughter of uh, a duke who, who passes away. She is unable to inherit his fortune because of these 
crazy old laws. So she goes to city, reinvents her again, reinvents herself and is living as a count and falls in love with a woman. And, you know, and there's a lot of cheese puns and it's just wonderful. Um, totally light and heartwarming and can't recommend it enough. Uh, another one uh, I got this this year was Legends and Lattes, which is a cozy fantasy book, which was the first time I ever heard that term. Um, and it, the second book, um, I, Bookshops and Bone Dust just came out. I haven't read it yet. But um, again, another queer fantasy book, very low stakes, but just like a warm hug of a read. Um, you, you had me at grilled cheeses and lattes. So <laughs> those all sound amazing. And by the way, very be- hungry at the end of this. I already am. Uh, Michael, your honorable mentions. My honorable mentions is at the end of this year, I want to just talk about the self-published people out there. So um, uh, last year on the end of it, I mentioned my friend Jay Van Landingham, who had published their first book. They have a sequel out this year called Sentient Rising. So um, definitely check them out. Very futuristic, uh, very leftist, progressive kind of science fiction-y kind of stuff. So check that out. And the other person, author that I want to do is that is self-published uh, on Amazon for Kindle. There's not physical copies, so it's all just uh, eBooks for you, is the author Virginia K. Bennett. Uh, she is a friend of mine, and she writes um, very cute mystery novels that revolve around food and cooking and baking and everything. And I also just have to throw the kick in there because she wrote in, she wrote in two recurring characters that are myself and my partner uh, themed in there for you. So uh, Michael Schwartz and Woo Woo Monroe are written in there as a couple that are part of her storylines that cover over most of her books for her too. I love adorable. That's adorable. We love to see it. I love that. I know uh, I'm famous. You're, you're internet <laughs> famous and you're book famous. So pr- well done. Um, I actually will wrap it up with two quick uh, honorable mentions myself. The first, um, speaking of giving a shout out to our podcast members, uh, great pop culture debate icon Kate Reculia. Her partner, Sean Ford, has his own graphic novel out this year called Shadow Hills. It is out from Secret Acres Press. It's fascinating. It's really cool. Uh, and I highly recommend it to anybody. And then this is not a real graphic novel, but I guess kind of is. Um, Bob Erlenbach, as a way of teasing me for being a Swifty, sent me the little golden book Uh, version of the Taylor Swift story Um, and I think it is just adorable and then I just blew his mind by telling him that it is one of the top 10 best-selling titles of 2023 so uh, who's winning now Bob is what I have to say Um, Taylor Forever. Publishers (laughs) (laughs) Publishers and that is correct so those are our picks did you read any of them do you have opinions is there something that we missed this episode is just the beginning of the discussion so let us know your favorites on social media or at greatpopculturedebate.com I want to give a big thank you to my panelists if you enjoyed this episode make sure that you check out the other great pop culture debate best of 2023 episodes devoted to music TV and film and all of them releasing between now and the new year make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever else, and that you follow us on all of our social media accounts for the latest news. And if you have not yet supported us on Patreon, I don't know what you're waiting for. There are so many great perks, and we'd love to have you as part of our little pod family. And buckle up, because the Great Pop Culture Debate has plenty more in store for 2024. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com right now to vote in remaining polls for Season 9. We're talking Best James Bond Film, Best 80s Teen Film, Best Tabletop Board Game, Best Classic Hollywood Star, and that's just to name a few. Then in late January, we will be back with our Patreon-sponsored episodes, this time including Best 90s Dance Hit, 
Best TV Family, Best Nintendo Villain, and Best Les Miserables Song. We look forward to an amazing 2024, and remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions.